Hello, Herd, and welcome to our Thursday show, our Clone Wars rewatch. I am your Herd leader, John Wayne. And I am your Herd mom, Megan. And today, uh, what we do here at Nerd Herder is uh, we've been watching uh, the Clone Wars series, me for the hundredth time, Megan for the first time. Yes. And we collect our thoughts and our feelings. And put them in a little jar and put it in the cabinet. Uh, no, we share them. We share them with the herd. That's what we're doing now is we're opening our jar of thoughts and feelings about the Clone Wars and just letting it all just fly out. Everyone um, has a scream jar, right? But but only only this week's. We're not going to dump all of that on you at once. We're just going to take it little by little. So uh, this week, uh, today, we only have we have three episodes to talk about. We have the arc the of uh, malevolence episodes. So that's season one, episode two, three, and four. Uh, rising malevolence, rising malevolence, shadow of malevolence, and destroy malevolence. A lot of malevolencing. Malevolence. Maleficent did not show up once. I was disappointed. <laughs> Worst TV show ever. <laughs> okay, comic book guy. Um, so. Before we get into discussing the episodes and diving into that, um, some announcements at the front end. Um, if you haven't been around to, uh, with the herd and listening to the show long enough to know, uh, Megan and I, we work for uh, the Salvation Army and we live in the southern half of Georgia. And currently, yeah. right now, there is um, a lot going on with the weather and with what deal, dealing with uh, Hurricane Michael. Um, we mm. had some thanks, uh, Michael. We had some stuff going on with uh, Florence not long back, where we had to uh, put uh, episodes on pause for dealing with that. Um, we're not planning to do that this time around, as we prepared to deal with um, helping families and, and uh, those affected by the severe weather. Um, we're, we're anticipating that our local service will be uh, fairly minimal, um, at least as of right now, things can change. But um, so by the time you guys are listening to this on Thursday, we'll be in the thick of it. So um if you're the praying type, you can. Uh, we would appreciate that, or just any good vibes and whatnot. Um, good vibes and well wishes, whatever yes. uh, would be appreciated as we work through that and deal with that. Um, what your crystals um, to Saturn, maybe, I don't and know. Uh, all that stuff. Um, you know, and if if I sound tired, that's that's why is in preparing today uh, for for all of that. So. Um, that's just to let you know what's going on, um, with everything. But again, we're not planning to cease, uh, programming. Uh, you'll get, uh, obviously this episode, the Clone Wars episode on Thursday, and we're planning to get the Q and A out on Friday, if not late Friday, but it'll be out Friday at some point. Um, and so we are still trying to work on things, uh, for, um, Patreon, but obviously that's uh, not the hugest priority right now. We, we've been working on um, getting our video uh, for Patreon up where we talk about our trip to Disney 
and all that, but creating videos is a lot different than creating podcasts. So uh, the editing and, and working with that has been difficult. So um, with regards to all, all that stuff, just be patient with us. It, it is coming. Um, and so, but yeah, so that's just let you know what we have going on. So if we seem a little inactive or uh, whatnot, um, that's why. Um, but we're, we're really pushing not to uh, cancel or postpone any thing um nothing to a major degree at least we want to continue programming taking that week off and then of course we had vacation right after that uh taking so essentially taking two weeks off from uh from podcasting uh was difficult and threw a lot of things off schedule so we don't want to do that again yeah but anyway all that aside um you've come to enjoy uh us talking about the Clone Wars, and that is what you shall get. And so we'll begin uh, with our first episode, Season 1, Episode 2, Rising Malevolence. All right, so again, this is Episode 1 of an arc. So all three of these episodes are connected. Um, we hadn't really gotten this since our uh, first uh, episode with the 2008 series where we had a couple of episodes and then the film all mm -hmm. connected. Um, last week's episodes, uh, the, the last two were fairly connected, but for the most part, um, what we've addressed so far has been largely independent episodes. So um, this is the first of arcs for us and it'll continue in arcs. Um, thankfully the uh, Clone Wars is largely chunked into stories that take place over three to four episodes or so. So, yeah. Um, so each episode of our Clone Wars rewatch uh, will be a good time to kind of just look at the whole arc together. So that's the nice thing about today is we get to look at the whole arc uh, rather than just part of it uh, here and there. So it begins with season one, episode two, Rising Malevolence. So with the chronological thing, we've been bouncing around a little bit. Now we're back to season one. And so the moral that is in the beginning of every episode, uh, but this episode uh, is uh, belief is not a matter of choice, but of conviction. Huh. Um, Deep. Yeah. And that's uh, really interesting. It, it goes along with, um, you know, the idea of hope in this episode. Um, as we'll talk about, you know, there's this kind of battling hope of someone will come for us, someone won't come for us. Um, you know, and the idea being they don't choose to believe that they believe that based on evidence. So, you know, the clones believing nobody's going to come for us is based on evidence, how they feel people will think of them and, and treat them. Whereas, you know, master Plo Koon believing someone will come for them is based on his experiences that, you know, uh, he knows there are those out there that won't give up hope. In, in finding them. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Anyway, uh, that deep thought aside, I'm tired, so uh, forgive me. Uh, that deep thought aside, the opening narration is the clone Starfleet is under siege. Dozens of Republic warships have been destroyed in merciless surprise attacks that leave no survivors. Rumors spread of a terrible new separatist weapon. In the face of growing fear, the Jedi Council sends Master Plo Koon 
to hunt down the menace before it strikes again. Mm. The Separatists and their freaking super weapons, Jesus. Yeah, they're very, they're definitely a precursor to uh, the Empire and the Empire's fascination with uh, the super weapons and yeah. whatnot. Well, a particular one. <laughs> yeah, a particular ball of death. This one, uh, I like this one, uh, we'll, as we'll talk about. So the, the arc and each episode is named after these uh, separatist ship uh, that they're hunting down, the Malevolence. Mm-hmm. Um which is a subjugator class uh, separatist uh, vessel, uh, very large, very powerful, and it's um, fitted with a particularly uh, powerful and difficult to deal with weapon uh, in the form of a giant ion cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, and an ion cannon serves essentially as an EMP. It it it, it yeah. um, you know destroys all. What well, doesn't destroy, but it it overloads all electronic and all uh, basically. In space, it would render your vehicle useless. Yes. What does it do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. my goodness. You're so crazy. That one's bad even for you. That's saying something. Um, so the episode, uh, it, it opens up um, with uh, the setup. So, again, they've sent, the, the Jedi Council have sent Master Plo Koon to find this uh, rumored weapon and, and vessel. Uh, and they've done that. They found it. Uh, they found it in the Abrigado system. Um, the cool thing about this is this is the first episode featuring uh, Plo Koon and, uh, and General Grievous. Mm-hmm. Um, and fun fact. I, it, I seriously thought when they introduced, when you said that, you said either Abogado, which is Spanish for lawyer, or Avocado. <laughs> the first time we watched this. It's abrigado. Ab- abrigado. Green pitted lawyer. Yes. <laughs> sure. Um, well, no, not quite. It's it. Uh, I don't know about the system, but the the sun or planet that they surround is just a very very large red uh, blob. So the entire episode is kind of washed in this red, um, which is both kind of eerie but also uh, really cool. So, Master Plo contacts Anakin and Ahsoka to let them know, since they're nearby, that they found the what they think to be the Separatist weapon and ask them for help. Anakin, in a turn of events, decides to say, well, no, I've been ordered to stay here. You know, I'll, I'm going to listen to orders. Mm-hmm. So, Plo reroutes and contacts uh, the Jedi Council to let them know. In the midst of that, though, uh, Dooku, who's on board the Malevolence with Grievous, uh, tells them to jam their signals. And, and so in the middle of transmission, Plo Koon's cut off from everyone. Um, and this is kind of where the Jedi Council, uh, with uh, special guest Palpatine, he's not on the council or anything, but... You he's know, just hanging out. The Jedi Council works closely with him because he's he's got the, the power, really, so... He's got the power? Um... You know, he, he's over the Republic, but the Jedi are over the Jedi. So it's kind of this weird relationship. So they're both uh, in on the conversation. And Palpatine's basically like, well, another one bites the dust, you know. Uh, Ahsoka wants to go and look for them. But uh, Palpatine, you know, uh, being, Palpatine. being Palpatine, he's kind of like, well, you know, if 
memory serves, there's never any survivors and the separatists are gone before you get there. Uh, and, and so oddly enough, the council agrees with them and says, yeah, your, your resources are probably better spent protecting, you know, your, your area. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bith system is where Anakin and Ahsoka are. Bith, please. Um, and so Ahsoka kind of get pipes up a little bit and gets, frustrated with that um and everything and and anakin sides with the council and says you know hey we'll do what we're supposed to do um cut back to uh plo and them uh as they prepare to engage the malevolence the malevolence fires its weapon which is where we get the idea of what it what exactly it does it it launches this giant ball of ion energy um that fries all the circuits and electronics and basically everything useful on the Republic cruisers, uh, which just makes them easy target practice for the malevolence. And, and so that's what they do. They begin attacking the malevolence and Plo orders everyone to abandon ships. So they all hop in their escape pods and launch from the exploding vessels. And then we get, you know, the, the separatist big idea is we don't want them to know what the weapon is. We don't want them to know the kind of power that we have. And so Mm -hmm. they want to control the whole thing. They want, they want to make sure there are no survivors. They want to make sure there's no one to tell the story of, of the malevolence. And so they send out um, a ship. They sent out, send out hunters to find all the little pot, all the escape pods and to crack them open. Um, They do this with, it's a droid boarding ship. So it basically, it looks like a thumbtack, which is how it punctures into a vessel or into a building. And then it opens to release uh, droids. Yeah. Um, but in this case, it's being used in the reverse. Rather than, you know, being like a needle that then opens, they're going open and then uh, essentially using it like a can crusher. Yeah. Um, and we see this in a very kind of, it's really dark Yes. Really dark reveal. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, Plo's in his escape pod with Commander Wolf and um, two clones, Sinker and Boost. And, um, you know, like I said at the beginning, that big that begins that kind of conversation of the clones are like, nobody's going to come for us, and Plo Koon's like, eh, just wait and see. That's the other cat. Um. And then they happen upon a, a pod, and they want to signal them. Um, Master Plo uses the force to turn the pod around, and you see it's busted open. With a clone hanging out of it. Yeah. Um, that and so, rustled my jimmies. Yeah, they're kind of like, um, you know, they, they kind of catch on that something busted it open. Um, and then we get to see, we see, you know, the pod approach, the uh, or the uh, droid thing approach another pod and like i said what it does is it latches on and then just squeezes until it pops open and so um the the window at the front the viewport at the front busts open and the clones are ejected out into space and very quickly freeze and die and i think this is where clone wars really benefits from being on a slightly more lax network at Mm -hmm. first is you you don't really see a lot, but you definitely hear, you know, the pod breaking open and the screams of the clones. 
yeah um it it really it shows you enough to know what's happening yeah um and uh so yeah so i mean it's it's pretty it's gruesome enough the idea of you know hunting down um the clones in the pods in the first place like yeah uh, but you know, to actually see it, it's not a theory. It's, it's, you know, it's a thing. Um, you know, it, it shows the darker side of, uh, the separatists, you know, it really solidifies them as bad guys and whatnot. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, which is a point is to make sure that we don't forget they are bad guys, you know, despite all the comedy of the battle droids and, and everything, um, they are bad guys. And so, um, yeah, that scene definitely reinforces that. And so now they're kind of like, okay, we really need to call for help. And of course, you know, you still get that conversation going back and forth of, is it worth it? Blah, blah, blah. You know, the big, that's the big idea is, you know, from one side, it's should we help or shouldn't we? And the other side is should we hope or shouldn't we? Yeah. Um, I hear you. And so, yeah. I see you. You're beautiful. Um, Anakin ends up surprising. So the idea is that they'll Anakin and his fleet will rendezvous with Obi-Wans and then they'll go hunting for the ship and whatnot. Um, but what Anakin does instead is he loads Ahsoka and R2 up on the Twilight and they go out on an adventure um, and it takes Ahsoka way too long to figure out that they're not going where they're supposed to go. Yeah. She's really not paying attention, which for a gunner, that's not a great thing. Um, I mean, she's paying more, you know, she's talking more about the history of her and Plo Koon. And we learned that Plo Koon is the one that discovered her and brought her to the Jedi order, um, which seems odd that he wouldn't be the one to train her then or whatever, but yeah. Like, I was thinking about that. Why isn't he the one? I guess personal attachment, maybe? Well, maybe that, and because Story wanted Anakin in, in the forefront. Gotcha. You know, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually she realizes, oh, we're in the Abrogado system. We're looking mm-hmm. for uh, Plo Koon. There's these little green fruits everywhere. <laughs> um, and men in suits wearing brief, or carrying briefcases. <laughs> and so... She begins signaling out, you know, saying, hey, you know, is anybody out there? And meanwhile, the pod, the, the pod hunter approaches um, Plo Koon and their, their pod. And so they, they decide, okay, we'll, we'll get defensive. We'll go outside and we'll, we'll defend ourselves. Um, and the, the defense of the pod is overly drawn out. Um, first of all, it takes them entirely too long to hit their targets. And then uh, not only that, but um, it takes Plo Koon entirely too long to think about, hey, why don't I cu- cut the uh, the braces off from the droid hunting? Because, again, you know, the, the arms of the droid ship just latch onto the other pod and squeeze it. And he it, it takes him until the last minute to think, hey, let me cut those off. Yeah, for a uh, tactical Jedi master. Yeah, this is it's one of those sequences that's purely for length of the episode and whatnot. Uh, it, it's a little drawn out, um, but it, it's definitely cool to see. You know, uh, Master Plo being a Keldor, uh, having a an apparatus to help him breathe. He he's more than fine in space and dealing with the pressure. And of course, the clones' armors are prepared for that as well. 
So it is cool to get sort of space combat, but it's also a bit silly how they handle it. But, you know, eventually they uh, get themselves free and now they're just kind of like, well, that was fun. Let's just wait to die. Um, (laughs) You know, the the clones in this are very depressing. Yeah, it's just Um, like that meme. I guess I'll die. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't want to say which uh, clone it was. I can't tell the difference between Sinker and Boost with their helmet on. But one of them um, says, you know, no offense, but we're clones. We're meant to be expendable, you know, Mm -hmm. which goes along with conversations we've already had, you know, of the treatment of and view of the clones and everything like that. Um, Let me recap very quickly. I think clones should vote, phone rights. uh, Yeah. All that good stuff. Um, but eventually Ahsoka's signal gets through commander Wolf in the pod picks it up and says, Hey, uh, we're here. And so they eventually get the pod and the clones and master, uh, Plo on the twilight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the onboard medical droid starts tending to them and everything like that. Uh, and it all seems like a happy ending until, um, you know, the appearance of Anakin's ship draws the attention of the malevolence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the destruction of the droid pod hunter thing. Um, so, basically, they realize either somebody's fighting back or someone's helping, you know. And, again, their their big idea is we want to cover this up. We don't want anybody to find out about this. Um, which I don't know how much difference it would have made. But, yeah, they would rather keep it a secret as long as they can. Um, so they begin searching the area where Anakin's ship is for his ship. Uh, Master Plo, you know, warns them and, and, and they turn off all the electronics and everything that's detectable, even R2. Um, but, but the malevolence picks up a faint signal because they forgot about the medical droid. Yeah. Which I love the look of the medical droids. Mm-hmm. This one Reminded me a little bit of K2SO. A little, little bit. I think he was unintentionally sassy. Yes. I, I think he was just very literal, which can come, ar- come across as sassy. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, Anakin, because the, the droid's like, is there anything I can do to help? And Anakin's like, just go back and tend to the clones. And he's like, that's my programming. Mm-hmm. It's like, shut up. Anyway. <laughs> So they try and turn everything on as quick as possible in order to escape, and they begin running away. Of course, Malevolence fires its ion cannon again. So you get this very tense scene of Anakin trying to escape, which he's just flying straight. So it's not really that effective. Yeah, like, that's not a good trick. Yeah, like, uh, as CinemaSins would say, he went to the Prometheus school of running away from things. Mm. Um, Topical. Uh, so eventually at the last minute, he, uh, banks upwards towards the edge of the blast and luckily just in time, R2, of course, as usual, saves the day and plugs in a a hyperspace route. And so they jump into hyperspace. Of course, Grievous isn't happy about it, which means of course, Dooku isn't happy about it because now the Republic will learn of their super weapon and learn of, I guess they were afraid of them kind of finding a weakness in it or I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but um, regardless uh, the Republic will now know what's up with uh, the malevolence. And so it ends on that kind of 
you know, positive note of, hey, made it out with everybody. It's all okay, you know. And uh, hopefully the clones are more optimistic now. Um, you know, it's a it's, uh, very nice. Um, you know, uh, uh, along the way, there was some interesting points I failed to mention. You know, while Anakin and Ahsoka are looking, uh, both Obi-Wan and Palpatine call and are like, you're wasting your time. Um, yeah. You know, Palpatine, of course, contacting out of uh, conspiracy, you know, he, he's trying to help keep it covered up. He's trying to say, Hey, you're wasting your time. Don't go looking, don't find anything, you know? Um, but you know, Obi-Wan's is from, from the more, um, uh, from the more literal Jedi standpoint of, you know, don't, it, it, it's about resources. It's about, probably won't find anything, you know? Um, so it, it's an example of how attachment is, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Had Ahsoka not had the attachment and had Anakin not had the, uh, hard headedness to decide to go look anyway, you know, Master Plo might've died. And, you know, then you get into the interesting conversation of weighing the options. Is it worth it to save three clones and a Jedi? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I mean, because it takes thousands of of clones and such to staff the uh, Republic cruisers. Yeah. So, I mean, out of all of them, three three clones survived, and uh, one Jedi Master. So, you know, it, it it's weighing the risk with the, with the uh, reward a mm-hmm. little bit. This cat is. We'll stop touching her. Meow. That's the thing. That that's why she's meowing. <laughs> she's every time you touch her, she's she talks. See? <laughs> she's like a push button. Yeah, that that's what she does. You press her and that, and she meows. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so like I said, first uh, appearance of Plo, which is really cool. He goes on to feature quite a lot. Um. Uh, including in the next episode that we'll talk about. Um, and, you know, he was always an interesting character. And he did have his little pop-ups and comics and everything. But overall, was not heavily featured until the Clone Wars came along. So it was rather mm-hmm. interesting they chose Plo Koon. Uh, which I like. You know, I didn't know a lot about him, didn't think a lot about him. And so I thought it was cool to see him in a little bit more action and whatnot. Yeah. And they really give him quite the fatherly personality, you know, and especially with Soka, that connection there and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly his relationship with his clones is rather different as well. Um, when uh, asking for direction on how to portray uh, Plo Koon, James Arnold Taylor was told by Dave Filoni that Plo Koon is Gandalf. <laughs> Which I love that. Yeah. And, um, knowing that and then going back um going back in sorry um you can't help but hear it yeah now. definitely um you certainly hear that sort of Ian McKellen uh influence which he does do a great impression got to admit yeah um and so you know and that's another t- 
shade to his personality that comes through again when you know it's there. You kind of see, oh yeah, I, I see that sort of Gandalf character to mm-hmm. him. So it's rather, I mean, you know, the way he cares for Ahsoka and his clones is very similar to Gandalf and the Hobbits and such. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things. Once you see it, you can't unsee it kind of things. Um, But it's really interesting. Uh, Of course, with Plo Koon are his clones, um, which makes this also the first episode appearance of CC3636, a.k.a. Clone Commander Wolf. Um, Which who, Dave Filoni loves wolves. Yes, so he of of course Filoni named him and designed the detail on the uh, helmets of the clone troopers. The clone troopers are part of the one hundred and fourth Wolfback Battalion. Um, in this episode, what's interesting is, um, so Wolf is in officer's garb, not commander's garb he doesn't wear armor Mm -hmm. um we actually don't see him wear armor for quite a while um and the clone armor of the troops uh it has a very burgundy shade to the stripings um and it has a very simple uh black outlined wolf on the helmet yeah uh, on the top of the helmet it's not it's very it's very well done it's not overly like you know, they don't draw a giant wolf on on their chest plate or anything like that. It's not crazy. Someone draw me a clone trooper in a three wolf moon t-shirt, please. A three wolf moon? Yeah, what? you know those really dumb t-shirts that you can buy at Walmart? Mm-hmm. It's like wolves howling at the moon. Mm-hmm. I'll show you a picture later. That's somebody's favorite shirt, Megan. It's my favorite shirt. Mm-hmm. Um... So anyway, uh, but in later episodes, um, the shades that are given to their armor is changed to, um, it's changed to gray, Mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting. I actually like the burgundy a little bit better, but that's just me. Um, I like both, both work well for me, so, um, I'm not, I'm not going to complain. I love the design of this uh troop and you know their armor and and detail and whatnot especially uh commander wolf's later on um his customized phase two armor is really cool um for sure so uh and the nice thing is we recently had uh them added to the uh skins for clones in uh, battlefront which is really cool so um, but yeah, so, uh, anyway, um, uh, that was the tiniest squeak in the yeah. world. Um, the only other note I have is that the pod that, uh, they find with the dead clones in it is pod 1977, which is a reference to 1977, the premiere year of clone, uh, clone Wars, of Star Wars. Um, so they, they love putting in their little Easter eggs and, uh, whatnot in, in all these episodes. So, um, that's one for this, but, uh, what'd you think overall of the episode? I thought it was really cool. Um, I thought it was, like I said, I think, 
um, the Clone Wars definitely benefited from being on Cartoon Network versus Disney or Disney XD, mm-hmm. which I don't think existed at the time. It did. It did. It was just I believe so. Something else, I think. I could I don't be wrong. Um, Disney XD's been around a while. It has. I don't know. Um, I think they could get a little more grown up with it. Yeah, like, and I, I think they definitely do. Yeah. Like, the concept of seeing the clone hanging out of the front of the pod. Mm-hmm. I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it does a lot to set up, you know, you should be scared. Our characters are scared. Yeah. Um, Kind of thing, you know, it, it, it goes a ways to kind of emphasize this is a, this is a scary time, a scary mm-hmm. moment. And you'd think that because it's something being done by the, by the droids, that it, it's not scary, but it's one of those things like the person doing it isn't scary, but the thing that they're doing is. Right, yeah. So that kind of well, makes them scary for a minute. Because they also intercut, you know, the clone or the droids popping open the escape pods with the droids just kind of... Being so dumb. Yeah, being so... You know, it, it's one of those where, you know, they clearly don't care um, what they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's really it's interesting. Why are you so loud? And, you know, like I said, the whole back and forth between Plo Koon and um, the clones of, you know, you know, and, and Plo Koon even says, you know, when they say that they're, they're expendable, he's like, not to me. Yeah. Um, it's good to see people caring about clones. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's what I say, you know, uh, Master Plo, and, uh, Anakin cares of his clones as well. We'll see and talk about, about that in the next episode. But, you know, it, it's definitely a rarity. It's it's definitely the consideration taken <clears throat> for clones and um, the care given to them is very different amongst different Jedi. Um, not to say that they don't care, but they clearly don't think yeah. too long and too hard about how the clones feel or are treated or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they there there are times when they just default and treat them as droids. Yeah. Um, so, but, um, yeah, I think I, I enjoyed it. And I loved, I like the appearance of the malevolence. I, I enjoy the larger separatist vehicles like the invisible hand mm-hmm. and um, such. It, I, I like their design yeah. and whatnot. It kind of looked like a shark, which I liked. Yeah. Um, It's very similar to uh, the larger ships. Um, I I mentioned the Invisible Hand, which is Grievous' flagship in Revenge of the Sith. Um, It's very similar, bulked up and blown up quite a bit. It's a very large ship to accommodate for the giant uh, ion cannon, so it's really, really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, so I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was a very good start to it. Um, you could say it's kind of slow-paced. I think that works for the story that they're telling. It's very small scope and, and, and whatnot. So I think it all the pacing works pretty well for this episode, especially since the next two episodes are a little bit more high-paced. Yeah. But especially the third episode in the arc. But, but yeah, I think overall it was a very good episode. Yeah, I thought so too. Mm-hmm. All right, on to part two. On to part 
Season 1, Episode 3, Shadow of Malevolence, continuing on with this arc. <clears throat> we get to the middle episode, which is uh, probably my favorite, um, just because of the uh, the ships and the more um, sp space combat orientation of the episode. I, I, I always enjoy that focus. Um, so I think this is the better of the three episodes. But uh, we'll let you decide for yourself which is your favorite and uh, which you like the most. Um, this episode's moral is, Easy is the path to wisdom for those not blinded by themselves. Mm. The best way to learn is not to think that you know everything. Um, and, and that's the lesson that Anakin learns in this episode. The opening narration is, a deadly weapon unleashed. The Separatist battleship Malevolence advances unopposed through Republic space, tearing apart any ship that stand in its path. After a daring rescue and narrow escape, Anakin Skywalker prepares a counterattack on the enemy ship and its diabolical droid commander, General Grievous. So is he the droid commander or is he a droid commander? He's the commander of the droids. He is not a droid himself and does not enjoy being called a droid. He is a cyborg. He is, uh, but don't, again, don't tell him that. No. Um, but no, he's the droid general. He's the, le he's the supreme leader of the, yeah. uh, droid army. Yeah, he's got skin envy. It's, Diglett. uh, fairly Freudian. Hey, hello, Bean. Leave her, just, if she's not gonna... Yeah. Leave her now. Hopefully she stays calm. Um, so yeah, so after... The previous events, uh, apparently, for some reason, the Jedi Council and uh, Palpatine and just the whole leadership don't immediately decide to go after malevolence or anything after learning about it. They simply just, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. They just sort of let it marinate. Um, you know, and in the meantime, the malevolence continues to go around destroying ships. Uh, afterwards, uh, you know, Dooku, who is hollow calling in uh he's given uh, after the last one he kind of even after the whole the republic will learn about our secret weapon now uh he still leaves uh general grievous in charge of the ship by himself lets him fly solo uh, but he calls in to let him know of their next target which again if you didn't think after the last episode that these guys were bad uh now they're going after a, a clone medical station so all of the injured troops and injured uh, folks um, are sent to this one medical station near Naboo. I'm, I'm sure it's not the only one, but they, uh, it's uh, it's clearly a major one, um, very large. And Dooku's like, yeah, we're going to go destroy that. Somehow or another, I, I didn't put it in my notes, but um, in, uh, in the episode, somehow or another, they find out, the Republic finds out about this. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when Anakin's like, okay, we have to do something now. And, you know, I'm obviously with Anakin in this, like I said, I, I don't know why it took them so long in the first place to come up with a plan of action. It didn't seem like anyone else was. So Anakin did. Yep. And so his plan of attack is, uh, that he will lead a small group of, um, bombers, uh, through a shortcut to cut Grievous, uh, to get to the uh, medical station before Grievous does. And once he does arrive, they'll uh, surprise attack him and take out the bridge of the Malevolence, thus taking out Grievous and hopefully bringing a 
quicker end to the war. Uh, you, you'll see that's a major plot throughout. I mean, and that's a big plot of the beginning of Revenge of the Sith as well, as we have to go after Grievous because if we cut off the head, then it'll be easier to uh, control the aftermath of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so constantly their idea is, let's go after Grievous, let's go after Grievous, let's go after Grievous. Um, so, you know, that's that's Anakin's plan, is they'll, they'll take out Grievous and the bridge of the ship, and then it'll be easier to take out the rest of the ship and blah, blah, blah. So uh, he's granted permission, although hesitantly, and of course, uh, Master Plo and Ahsoka are both very vocal about not really sure this is a good idea, um, but uh, Anakin's just kind of like, yeah, it's fine. The clones and I can handle it. We'll, we'll be good. So, um, but Master Plo insists on joining them. And so, for some reason, Anakin's going to lead the, the bombers uh, through a shortcut, beat Grievous there, and Obi-Wan, with the rest of the fleet, will just take the the long way. Yeah. The idea is, I mean, the idea, yeah, is supposed to be, which the large ships wouldn't have made it through the shortcut anyway. I know that. Um, and the idea is that Anakin and his team will get there, do the thing, and then Obi-Wan will get there and provide backup and support in taking down the Malevolence after the bridge is destroyed. But again, it's also kind of like... Why take the long way? I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I so. Again, it, I, at least it does make sense in that they couldn't take the shortcut necessarily, but there had to be some other way they could have gotten there quicker. I don't know. But Anakin loads up with his uh, ships. They take off. And the, um, the shortcut uh, takes them through the Kalita Nebula. Mm-hmm. Um, and the path is called the Bamora Run. And it's something that Anakin picked up uh, while on Tatooine listening to smugglers because um, he was a little eavesdroppy boy. Yes, he um, was. He heard about smugglers. Yeah. He heard about smuggling and angels, apparently. And how to woo women. Yes. Even that, though you're creepy. Right. How to how to uh, seduce women older than you. <laughs> hmm. um, I mean, think about the fact she was a queen. She was a queen. Some little slave boy. Uh, caught the attention of uh, the queen. So, uh, but once Plo Koon learns about it, he's he's uh, he tries to warn them that they have to turn around. Of course, that would be counterproductive. Uh, but the reason is because uh, somehow he knows of this route, but knows of it for a different reason because it's where uh, a large nest of uh, Nibres are. Uh, net, uh, you know, live, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nebrays are giant uh, nebula and gas-eating creatures. They're essentially, essentially space whales. Um, but they're kind of a cross between space whales and manta rays. Now, didn't Star Trek do that? Uh, so did Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did. So, yeah, so they run into the... Which isn't really a big deal, but it... You know, obviously, you've got these giant creatures that aren't used to seeing little ships flying around. They're not really sure what to do. And so, um, you know, evasive maneuvers uh, are called for. And so what they do is they all line up behind Anakin. Anakin kind of leads them out. um, Mm -hmm. But along the way, one of the ships is dinged. uh, The ship that's piloted by clone Matchstick, which is the leader of uh, Shadow Squad. Mm -hmm. 
uh, which is such a cool name. They all have cool designed helmets and everything like that. Um, uh, but, you know, in true soldier fashion, he's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm okay. Fine. Fine. Um, and so luckily enough, that happens just before they uh, exit the nebula. So, you know, don't have to deal with it for long. Uh, and conveniently, they get out of the nebula and near the space station just in time for the malevolence to show up as well. And so Grievous instantly starts targeting the medical station and decides to distract the Republic bombers with uh, vulture droids and, and whatnot. And so uh, it just launches a bunch of them to kind of prevent the uh, bombers from getting too close. In the meantime, he powers up the ion cannon and then fires um, uh, at both his fighters and the Republic fighters. Uh, and so Anakin, of course, this time he learned, you know, go straight for the edge as soon as you see it fired, mm-hmm. you know. So they, they attempt to do that as they're doing that matchsticks uh, damage that he said was fine, was not fine. That's uh, pretty usual. And his ship blows up and takes another ship with it. And uh, also along the way, three other ships are caught in the blast of the ion, the, the ion cannon and are disabled. Um, and so pretty much half of Anakin's clones are uh, gone now. Yeah. Uh, the the ones caught in the ion blast, I guess, are fine. They're just floating around in space. I, I guess they eventually went and got them. Um, <laughs> eventually. I mean, they are clones. I mean, you know, the, the ion cannon only disables the ship. It doesn't hurt organics. So they should have still been alive as long as they weren't hit by a pot shot. Mm. Um, but anyway, um, so they... they Decide to go with it anyway. They're like, you know, Anakin says, you know, we'll we'll work with what we've got. Let's go for the bridge. They begin approaching the ship. And, of course, a large ship like that has a lot of guns. Uh, and so in the approach, uh, a, another couple of ships are taken out by the turrets of the Malevolence. And Plo Koon and Ahsoka are both kind of chatting at Anakin and telling him, you know, we've got to come up with a different plan. We've got to change course. You know, uh, Ahsoka even says, you know. You can make it, but they can't. Yeah. Um, which is a good a, a good lesson. You know, we like to think that other people can do things just because we can do it. And, and that isn't always the case. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes we have to stop and recognize who we're leaving behind and how that's affecting them sometimes. Uh, and I think that's the lesson uh, Anakin learns here is that just because he can do it doesn't mean they can. And just because he can do it doesn't mean he can do it alone. Yeah. Um and so it, it calls for a change of plan. Deep. Um, and so Plo Koon suggests if, you know, they aim just right, they may be able to disable the giant ion cannon. Uh, and so that's what they do. They go, they bank off uh, from their attack run on the bridge, go instead for the ion cannon. Uh, and because it's both kind of a surprise and apparently they had just never thought that anyone would just attack the cannon itself. <laughs> Uh, they're able to approach it fairly easily and uh, disable it so that when it goes to fire, much like the Death Star, uh, it erupts. Uh, although it doesn't destroy the entire ship, it, it does damage the ship greatly in, in a lot of its vital functions, but it doesn't destroy the ship. But disabling the Iron Cannon is good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, Obi-Wan shows up 
just in time. So Anakin kind of tags out and he's like, I'm, uh, you know, we're going to go to the medical station and regroup. Um, and I will say that the, the moment when the, uh, giant ion cannon on the malevolence shorts out and kind of, sort of, I guess, self-destructs, uh, the sound of it is really cool. Oh yeah. It, it, I, I, I can't explain it. I can't describe it. I can't mimic it. But it's just this utter sound of failure. <laughs> um, <laughs> A.K.A. me. Oh, no. Um, so, but again, luckily Obi-Wan shows up. And so he, you know, the Republic ships just start flooding the malevolence with uh, laser fire and start attacking its engines and whatnot, trying to go after it. So, um you know, Anakin uh, takes his troops to the medical station, kind of regroups with the um, Kaminoan uh, overseer that's there. I don't have her name in my notes. I probably should have done that, but... Um, long neck, McGillicuddy. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, and she kind of says, you know, don't take the, lo- the lives you saved lightly. And Anakin says, I don't. I don't take the lives I lost lightly either. You know, it, it's clear that in the end, he had kind of gotten tunnel vision and um, was very uh, mournful uh, and very, you know, kind of riddled with guilt for allowing um, the deaths of the troops. Uh, I mean, you know, you can get in a debate all the day of it wasn't exactly his fault, but, you know, of course, Anakin's never going to see it that way. He's going to no. see it as I failed to save their lives. They died because of me. You know, he, he's going to take it on in that way. Uh, and he kind of clearly does here, uh, which I think is the better way to deal with it rather than end it on a yay, we won kind of note. You know, Anakin has a very, you know, excuse me while I go deal with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's very appropriate, I think. And it's, it's again, a, a sign of a more mature show yeah. um, than often given credit for. And, and even the show itself kind of steps on its own toes when it gets a little too comedic in episodes like that. We don't, I mean, we don't really have that in this episode, but like in the last episode, you know, um, it can almost undercut the tone a little bit when you have those little breaks of comedy. Yeah. Um, but I think the last episode did fairly well with balancing it. And, and if anything, the last episode, the comedy serves as a, a, a very grim, you know, they're not taking seriously the lives that they're taking, you know, the droids, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they're uh, initiating their programming and they're daft about it. Uh, but you know, here it, it leverages that somber tone of the episode and the ending. And I think that's very appropriate. Um, again, you wouldn't necessarily have a full hearty celebration. Uh, I mean, some may, that was probably off screen. Some people were probably, I mean, there is something to celebrate, of course, you know, they did save a lot of lives, but lives were lost for it. And so it's kind of that balance of, you know, celebrating while mourning and, and such. Yeah. So interesting, good episode. Very good episode. Um, twice, uh, in the episode when the ion cannon is fired, we see inside the vessel, inside the, uh, the firing weapon. And it's, uh, almost an exact replica of the scene when the death star is firing. And you see the, uh, inside of that as the, uh, as the, uh, Imperial gunners kind of stand off to the side for some reason. Yeah. Of this giant firing weapon. Uh, and it also doesn't make sense here because, of course, instead of 
you know, humans, they have droids standing next to a giant ion blast, which should short, short circuit them like, uh, yeah. you know, safe, <laughs> safety concerns all around, uh, well, you know. Let's be real. America kept using asbestos for as long as they could, even after they knew it caused cancer. So I'm not really all that surprised. Yeah, I mean, and they still don't didn't install handrails. So, <laughs> it, you know, that's just a thing in Star Wars is, you know. Safety is not a concern. Who needs handrails? Uh, what, but anyway. Um, this is also, uh, in this episode, I mentioned, you know, Republic uh, Bombers. I was trying to be subtle about it so I could save the discussion of that for now where you know i say so the the appearance of, of the bl uh, btlb y wings mm, delicious um, sandwich which are the predecessor to the btla4 y wings of the rebellion um so they are technically the, different it's not as if you just strip all of the armor off of this and you get the uh, rebellion era y wing mm-hmm they're slightly different, um, but they're they're very close cousins. Not, you know, um, the, it's not like going from the Arc One Seventy clone uh, fighter to the X Wing, where it's kind of like you see a little bit of the influence, but overall, it's it's a it's quite the leap. Um, you know, it's not that significant with this with the Y Wing, um, but I loved the the look and idea of seeing a fully armored Y-Wing. Of course, you think about it when you're watching the original trilogy. You think about, clearly, this is missing parts. Like, yeah, you know, it, it's clearly stripped down. Um, but to finally see it in its full clad glory, uh, which the Y-Wing is probably my favorite ship in general. I enjoy, you know, I, lo- I know love, uh, people love to talk about the uh, X-Wing as the poster fighter and and it is you know you think of star wars you think of x-wings and what but i love the y-wing I, lo- I love its appearance i love um its bomber style and whatnot i i, I think overall it, it's just a good looking craft and and seeing it fully armored here you know in its prime is 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 a beauty <laughs> it goes from being this very stripped down and clunky ship to being this very sleek uh kind of ship and yeah. so it's really interesting yeah um that's really all all, all the notes uh for this episode or all the detail kind of the behind the scenes little uh detail notes and whatnot um but uh overall what'd you think i thought it was a pretty good episode i think it was interesting uh to see like Anakin having to deal with the consequences of his actions, mm-hmm. which, as we can see over the films, and I'm assuming throughout Clone Wars, that, you know, he beats himself up quite a bit, mm. which yeah. I think is a prevailing theme um, that follows him even into, you know, his years as Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still killing himself over killing pa- Padme. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it's interesting to go from, you know, this Clone Wars general who, uh, or excuse me, commander, he's a commander. Not um, a master, though. This uh, Clone Wars commander 
who cares about his troops and and does everything he can do to ensure their safety uh, and their well-being. You know, he cares for each of them and has a camaraderie with them. You know, he goes from that to the guy choking and killing anyone who crosses him and, and, yeah. and everything. It shows how he distances himself from relationships and how he, um, you know, in the, the comics, especially when he's dealing with the Inquisitors and the uh, Fortress Vader arc, uh, it does really well to hit on the nose how he's turned against the idea of attachments. Yeah. You know, his whole conversation with Padme in Attack of the Clones where he says, you know, I think attachments, you know, I think compassion should be encouraged. I think, you know, having relationships should be encouraged. It makes us stronger. He goes from that to, you know, I'll, I'll show you how an attachment is really just a, a, a lapse in judgment. Yeah. How it's only going to go to hurt you. You know, he, he clearly blames, he, it, it's more of a, if I had never fallen in love, mm-hmm. if I'd never bothered with Padme, it, it's almost as if, if I had just listened to the Jedi yeah, and just not gotten involved, now I wouldn't be dealing with this. But it's also yeah. countered with, but he loved Padme. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's that difficult ground of remorse, but also, you know, hate uh, and, and guilt and whatnot. Yeah. And not to be, you know, a Hamilton freak, but I will be anyway. Um, if you've never listened to it, there's this great song where um, George Washington is talking to Alexander Hamilton and tells him, well, sings to him. Uh, Let me tell you what I wish I'd known when I was young and dreamed of glory. You have no control. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story? And I think that applies pretty well to Anakin. Or as Darth Vader, really. Mm -hmm. Like, I can definitely see, you know, ghost Hayden Christensen busting out in that, singing sweetly to Luke. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's that kind of gives me a new perspective on Vader a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the thing is, I mean, it's certainly about, um, I think, you know, there's always this clear idea that they're casting with a character or with a episode or with a, a story and whatnot. But, um, I think they do obviously leave it up to, uh, leave it subjective in the sense that you can you can identify what you identify with in this story as well. Um, you know, they give you those particular themes, but you can kind of fill in the blanks and everything like that. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I think, I think there are some subtle glimpses, you know, I mean, you can see it just as a really good learning moment and, and a very mature moment for Anakin, but you can also see it again as those sort of, windows into his his future as Vader. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and see how not to say this directly caused anything, but how this was an effect of something that yeah. would later go into uh Anakin becoming Vader. Yeah, and I think it really kind of you get kind of cynical with the fact that you can't save everyone. Yeah. I mean, um and uh, Ahsoka goes through a similar growth arc uh, later on as well. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a difficult place to be in 
you know, to be in war as a compassionate person, it's going mm-hmm. to challenge your compassion. It's going to challenge yeah. you. It's going to see how much you can really care and how much yeah. you can really give uh, of yourself to others who will more than likely be hurt or taken by this war. Yeah. Um, and if you want to know more about how you can't save everything, everyone, watch Saw 3. Or just any of us. Was it Saw 3? Just watch Saw. I don't know. Just all of them. Great movies. You can't save everybody. No. People are just going to be stupid sometimes. Um, and if they pay attention. You know, I, th- I think the, the big thing is, you know, do the best you can. Yeah. But recognize that sometimes it's up to the person. Someone Sometimes someone's got to saw their own leg off in a dirty bathroom. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Atlas. You know, find some other way to do it if you can. <laughs> but if you have to saw your leg off, I guess that's the way to go. Or just look for the freaking key before it goes down the drain. Well, yeah, but yeah, that's but that's the, the awesome tragedy at the end of Yeah. You had the key all along and Yeah. This anyway. turned into sawcast real quick. No, nah, not not too bad. But anyway, um yeah, definitely a good episode. Like I said, this is probably my favorite. I enjoy You know, obviously with the Y-Wing showing up, but I love uh, space battles and and, and, uh, such. So, you know, the Y-Wings attacking the Malevolence, I like that whole whole sequence. And, you know, the whole moral and and subject of the story, the lesson that Anakin learns, I like all of that. Oh, yeah. It's it's great. Yeah. So for me, you know, this builds it up to be uh, the better of the three episodes. But, you know, let us know what you think heard let us know if this is uh in fact your favorite as well or if you like another one let us know why uh but in the meantime we're going to move on to our next episode destroy malevolence part three takes us to season one episode four destroy malevolence which kind of spoils the story a little bit but yeah so it's the end episode of the arc so of course after where we leave the malevolence in the last episode, uh, it's not looking good for uh, the separatists and for Grievous and whatnot. So the moral of this episode is a plan is only as good as those who see it through, uh, which is just good life advice in general. You can have a lot of good ideas and get nothing done. Uh, Good ideas are no good if they don't go somewhere, if you don't do something with them. Uh, luckily for our heroes, they decide to do something with their good idea. Uh, the opening narration for this episode is Grievous in retreat. Before the battleship Malevolence could destroy an Outer Rim clone medical base, a Republic strike force under the command of Jim- Jedi General... Oh, he is a general. I thought he was a commander. Uh, <laughs> Jedi General Anakin Skywalker crippled the warship, disabling its dreaded ion cannon. Now the Jedi relentlessly pursue the Malevolence. Yeah. Um, I guess since... Anakin's by himself. He's a general. I, I think because yeah, process I, of elimination. I think when he was under <laughs> Obi Obi Wan was general. When he was under Obi Wan, I assume he was Commander Skywalker. I guess. I I is that w- how it works. My thing is, I'm almost certain I heard them refer to him as Commander Skywalker in in the previous episode. Hmm. Um. But, I mean, it would make sense that he's General Skywalker, Ahsoka's Commander Tano, and then you have Captain Rex. Like, it, it flows the chain of command, but yeah. I don't know. It, 
I would have loved to have been the commander of something at like 14. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I was the commander of being on Tumblr and whining to my parents <laughs> at 14. No, wait. No, I wasn't 14 when Tumblr came out. I was like 18. When Tumblr came out? Yeah. Are you sure? Is it that young? Yeah. Oh. It's fairly new. Um, it, it is interesting, the fact that they give... You know, Anakin's uh, almost 20, if not 20 by this point. Yeah. He's 19 in... Um, Can he read? He's 19 in episode 2. Yes. Uh, he He's 19 in episode 2, so uh, depending on where that fell... Around his birthday, this is about. What do, you, what do you think Anakin's birthday party was like? Probably sad. Probably very sad. Just sitting in a room by himself with I a mean, party hat on. I don't. I don't want to say it was sad. I'm sure his mom. I, I'm sure his mother made it special. Oh, you I know? was talking about this particular birthday, the last one that he had. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, he's got Padme. Yeah, he just got like a gentle pep on the forehead from uh, Obi Wan. Well, I mean, that, it's an interesting question. Do the Jedi celebrate birthdays? Hmm. I mean... For Center Podcast, we don't help. We don't really see uh, any evidence that they celebrate each other's birth. They celebrate um, Life Day. But that's stupid. That is... <laughs> um, anyway, but, but yeah. That should for, be your, your argument for everything. Is just, <laughs> yeah, that but that's... <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, Sorry. Regardless, he's either 19 or 20. That was my point, is he's either yeah. 19 or 20, um, depending on where this falls exactly on the timeline. I, I guess he has more reason to have a little bit of command. But certainly, you know, Ahsoka having authority at her age is quite significant. Yeah. Simply because she's a Jedi. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very interesting uh, and, and yet again, calls into question: Should this was this the place of the Jedi to be uh, commanders of a war? Which obviously the answer is no; they shouldn't no. have. But you know, it, it it's interesting. Uh, I hadn't thought of that before. So you know, I just I kind of just went with it with the show, as I think a lot of us Clone Wars fans do. Is she's a Jedi? Of course, they're going to listen to her. But the fact that yes, these are clones bred for combat who are probably quite intelligent. Uh, having to take yeah. commands from, I don't know if she's actually 14, but 14, Somewhere 15 now. Uh, you know, I mean, it is kind of called into question, uh, kind of quippingly, uh, between Rex and Ahsoka when she's like, so since I'm a Padawan, does that mean I outrank you? And he's like, experience outranks everything. Uh, <laughs> is Which is a nice way of saying, you outrank me by, by title only. Yeah. I I know more than you. Yeah. Um, you are a little beeb wet behind the earth. Yeah, so uh, it, it's a sidetrack, but it's also an interesting conversation. Yeah. But um, uh, anyway, um, so yeah, so now they've disabled the ion cannon, the big threat of the malevolence, um, and along with that, some critical functions, including hyperdrive, uh, have been disabled. So all the malevolence can do is just trail along, mm-hmm. uh, trying to outrun the... Uh, the Republic ships, Obi-Wan ships who are firing on it now. So what Dooku does, you know, of course, Grievous runs to Dooku mm-hmm. and what says, do? you know, oh, what do I do? <laughs> Daddy, help. Um, and so what 
Dooku's arranged is because, again, the medical uh, base that they were about to attack is near Naboo. The Naboo were uh, aiding in evacuation of um, injured clones. Um, somehow or another, uh, what they've done is decided, hey, we'll trick Padme into coming here and you'll capture her. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad plot. It, it's it's a very interesting way of putting, I mean, you you know, it's, it's essentially them running away and catching a civilian and holding them hostage. Yeah. Um, what I find interesting is that so I, I I do believe that it has it has to be that Padme's coming from Coruscant because if she's coming from Naboo, she would have known that I'm not going to fall for that. I know that's where the battle's taking place. Yeah. But um, so I'm I'm assuming she's coming from Coruscant because they're they're led under the guise that some big separatist name is defecting and it's going to help the Republic, which is why she's like, oh, we've got to go. Um, we've got to secure this negotiation and, and, and whatnot. Still seems a little... It's not sketchy. Sketchy. Yeah. But know. nonetheless, Dooku's plan works. She goes. She gets caught. Um, but of course, she gets caught, but not caught. Uh, she has enough time to come up with a plan, so she overloads the uh, uh, engines of her ship and escapes. Uh, you would think they would have been ready with troops to you know, prevent that. Yeah, you'd think. But, you know, I guess with everything else going on, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, we see there's fires everywhere. There's, you know, things yeah. uh, are in chaos. A uh, man runs by with a ice cream maker. Not, yeah. No. Total chaos. Um, That's how you know. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess the Separatists get it out. But, again, you're, you're capturing a high pro... I guess they thought she'll be so scared she'll just stay on board. But clearly yeah. they did not know Padme. Yeah, wife of Anakin Skywalker, just... Mm. Oh, and by the way, C-3PO's there. Um, eh. so, <laughs> he but, barely, he's barely there. Yeah, so she sets a trap, escapes, uh, and of course the trap is timed just right so that when Grievous does get there to look on the ship for her, uh, it's about to blow, but he has just enough time to uh, run away. Because plot! Uh, I will say he didn't completely get out because uh, there's a cool scene reminiscent of uh, the original Terminator where... Uh, he kind of emerges from the burning rubble. Um, mm. Really cool scene. Um, and, you know, of course, then he's like, okay, go find her. Eventually, Padme finds a way to contact Anakin and, and says, hey, uh, I missed you so much. I just had to come out and see you. Uh, of course, he's not happy about it. Uh, Obviously, that's not what she actually says. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, of course, he's just like, what in the heck? So he orders the, the Republic ships to stop firing uh, because he's a big softy. Even though she says, hey, destroy the ship. Grievous can't escape. You know, this weapon can't escape. Stop the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Anakin decides to come up with an alternative. So the plan is that they'll sneak uh, aboard since clearly the Separatists are in chaos. Everything's crazy. Um They'll slip aboard on an airlock and find Padme, get out, and then they'll proceed to destroy the ship. Yeah. Uh, so Anakin and Obi-Wan uh, go, uh, and R2-D2. Um, <laughs> Always forgetting the droids, John. Well, I, I, I mean, they have... Droids are people, too. They're there for what they need to be there for, and that's about it uh, wow. for some episodes. There, I mean, there's episodes where they're primary characters, but... It, 
and for all intents and purposes, every other episode, they're just there for uh, specific tasks. Mm-hmm. So there's that hurricane rain coming in. <laughs> hopefully, uh, it doesn't mess with the audio too much. But um, better not. Anyway, so uh, things are successful. Um, I love when Anakin and Obi Wan um, latch onto the airlock. There's a few droids walking past, and one's like, "Did you hear that? It sounds exactly like what's happening." And uh, and the other droids like, "Nobody would be that stupid." Of course, Anakin yeah. was that stupid. Yeah, that's um, kind of his bag. Right. Uh, it was just a really, it was well timed comedy, um, yeah. very funny moment. So, uh, Anakin and Obi Wan branch out. They eventually locate Padme, uh, but C-3PO gets separated from them, and apparently he's a significant enough uh, target that Obi-Wan's like, hey, I'm going to go get your droid. Um, But it also turns out that he's going to um, disable the hyperdrive because as Padme was escaping, she heard Grievous mention the hyperdrive's almost fixed. Convenient. Yeah, Um, very convenient. It's almost like exposition. Right, so Obi-Wan's like, I'll get your droid and do that. He c- completely forgets about. No, no, he doesn't. Okay, he tries to, but yeah, then C three PO gets hit by Once. a train, and then he's just like, which is eh. like, I don't know if you remember, but I think I was literally just like shaking you, like hit him, hit him, hit him, yeah. hit him. It was so funny. <laughs> um, so, but luckily, you know, I'll say it now in case I forget. C three PO does regroup with R two D two, who then regroups with Padme and Anakin later on. Uh, The main thing shifts to Obi-Wan goes after the hyperdrive and Anakin and Padme uh, go to the bridge to cause other sabotage. Uh, I don't remember exactly why they were there, but while they were there, you know, Anakin was like, no. (laughs) Um, Anakin was like, Hey, I've got an idea. So uh, he reprograms the hyperdrive computer. Um, because, and it's luckily, it's lucky he decided to do that, even though he knew Obi-Wan was disabling the hyperdrive. Yeah. Because Obi-Wan did not disable the hyperdrive. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, I don't think he knew how to do that. Well, he got distracted by Grievous. Grievous showed up. Oh, well, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he would have just sliced it with his lightsaber, so. Yes, that is the, uh, Jedi form of disabling. Right. So. Um. Anyway, so Grievous shows up, interrupts Obi-Wan, uh, disabling the hyperdrive, and, um, so, but then Obi-Wan escapes, regroups with Anakin and Padme, who regroups with R2-D2 and C-3PO, they all hop in and escape, and they're escaping, and Grievous gets in his ship, and gets his ships together, and decides to go after them. Mm-hmm. Which is good that he wasn't on the Malevolence because the Malevolence um, was seemingly fixed. Seemingly. So the droids, for some reason, decide to initiate the hyperdrive. I guess they were like, you know, we'll get out of here and, you know, Grievous Grievous has a hyperdrive in his ship. He can get out on his own. I don't know. Regardless, they activate things and that sends Anakin's plan into motion. Um, he had programmed the Nava computer to drive the ship straight into the nearby moon. Which is very smart. Which is smart and successful. Yeah. Thus ending the reign of malevolence. Um, and of course, Grievous doesn't prevent Anakin and crew from getting back to their ships. And so 
he decides to run away. Of course, Dooku's contacting him like, hey, you know, we just can't wait. We're just so excited for your ship to get here. Yeah, your big, brand new, million dollar ship. Right. And uh, it's funny because Grievous ends up just hanging up on him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the droids sell him out. Like, the droids are like, yeah, you know, the droids with Dooku are like, he cut off the line himself. That's weird. Just selling out their general. Yeah, that's uh, like hanging up on your mom. Yeah. You just don't do that. Um, It's a reoccurring trend that Grievous and, and Ventress both let Dooku down a lot. Yeah. But um, anyway, so but it ends on a very happy note because, you know, the malevolence is destroyed. Everybody's saved, including C-3PO. They managed to save him. And uh, so, yeah, so they return back to the fleet and all's... Uh, well and good, and uh, back to normal, I guess, there, so. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting way to deal with uh, the ship and to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, Although, that technology could have been used for the Republic side of the war. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have just stolen the ship. Yeah, I mean, they could have. Um, yeah. It, that would have been an interesting plot. Yeah, um, I mean, like the technology, though they eventually get around to. Good. We'll we'll get there, but uh, you know, it takes them quite a while to figure out uh, a method of disabling the the droids and, and whatnot. Um, you know, it's it's one of the benefits to fighting robots is there's ways to come up with disabling robots that um, and whatnot. But anyway. Um, but it was an interesting way to deal with it, I think. Um, and it's insinuated that the malevolence was out and about for quite a while. Yeah. You know, destroying ships and whatnot. Although our time with it is a little brief. I think they did enough with it to, um, much like the Death Star, we got to see it blow up a planet. We got to get the idea, okay, this is a threat. Yeah. Um, before it was destroyed. Mm-hmm. And even, if, I mean, now, of course, if you add in Rogue One, we see even more of its power. Oh, so yeah. we, we see this has to be dealt with. Oh, yeah. That was, like, one of my favorite things from Rogue One is being on the planet where the Death Star hit. Like, seeing the destruction firsthand. That was incredible. Right. I think that's why Rogue One is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's very, it's really cool. Um, and so, you know, I think this arc does the same thing of giving us enough to see it as a threat, um, but not letting it last too long yeah. as an unstoppable beast. Because yeah. um, once it gets unstoppable, it kind of gets boring. Right. So, um, you know, and I, I think all around how they handled it, you know, I think again, the idea they wouldn't have largely protected the ion cannon. They were, you know, number one, they never really would have thought much would have gotten close to them. Yeah. All their protection was around the vital parts in the bridge and everything. So when they go after it in the previous episode, of course they have a li- they have less resistance. Um, you know, it's, and it's one of those ideas. You know, it's, this this is so foolproof. No one would ever come this close, and, and to make it a credible threat. And then they do. And then they do. Of course, with you know the Death Star, it's very similar where. I mean, even if they had known about the flaw in the Death Star, they would have been like, eh, it's so tiny and insignificant. They would, you know, our, and plus our turrets and defenses, you know, not, not, nothing's going to get 
uh, this close that we have to worry about it that much. Yeah. We'll deal with it before it comes to that, which of course. It is, comes to that. <laughs> it comes to that. And they're not ready. Um, yeah, which happens a lot in Star Wars. Right. And so, and even this, I think a lot of how the plan succeeds is because mm. of the overall disorder and chaos of dealing with. No, I just got an idea. I just realized something. That's why, that's why people fail in the Star Wars universe because they don't believe. Yes. Dang, dog. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's, uh, uh, that's one of the many yeah. points of Star Wars, but yes. Yeah. Sorry. It just like, you ever get one of those like light bulb moments connecting dots? I had yeah. to, I just had one of those. There Sorry. you go. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Um, but yeah, I think. I think all altogether they thought through very well how they wanted to deal with the threat of the malevolence and did it well. Mm-hmm. And I think the sequences all around were very nice. Yeah. Um, definitely this was a bit more of a fun comedic episode. There was a lot more jokes and a lot more humor. Yeah. And a lot more lighthearted action to it. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely. You know, we mentioned, you know, C-3PO gets hit by a train. Um, there's That's a scene... When Obi-Wan jumps from a high platform onto a train, Grievous follows suit, and then the droids that are with Grievous stupidly decide, hey, we can do that too. And two of them land off into the distance and just, you know, obviously fall to their doom. One lands on the tracks just in time to get hit by a train. So Yeah, that was very funny. (laughs) It's just... and, And luckily, there's not a whole lot of attention drawn to it. It's just enough that you see it happen and it, and it kind of lightens the mood a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, this is definitely the lighter of the three episodes. I think um, definitely fun. Definitely had its action and whatnot. Yeah. So some notes about the episode, uh, which shout out to Wikipedia for all these behind the scenes things that, uh, we pull for the episodes because there's a lot of interesting things oh, yeah. um, behind these episodes as we uh, research for them. So um, some of the ideas for the original script of the episode included uh, Captain Panaka, uh, who's Padme's uh, security detail in um, The Phantom Menace, I believe. Yes. I, I, yes, that's I'm, him. I'm tired. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to say he's from The Phantom Menace. Anyway, uh, her security detail. Yes. Uh, being captured alongside with Padme and being brutally murdered by General Grievous. Wow. Um, it would have been interesting. Would have been. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, considering how much lightheartedness went into the episode, I think... That would have been a low point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of would have liked to see it. Anyway. Yeah, because you love tragedy. Um... Also planned for a lightsaber duel between Grievous and Plo Koon, which would have been cool, and it would have taken place on the exterior of the Malevolence in space. Ooh. Right? Very that cool. That would have been very cool. I don't believe Grievous and Plo ever crossed sabers, though. Um, and uh, another idea was Jedi sneaking aboard Malevolence by freezing themselves in carbonite to get past droid bioscans and radiation beams. Would that have worked? It did in a later episode where the concept was used. Um, it, Yeah, the other two concepts never came to be, but 
Um, that one did pop up in the Citadel arc, um, which is a little ways away from us. Um, that's in like season three, I want to say. Uh, but yes, so it does work. And it not only, I mean, they freeze Jedi clones, like they, they freeze everybody, sneak everybody in with like a, a carbonite. Like a Trojan horse, kind of. Essentially, yes, exactly, exactly. So, um, all interesting concepts. Again, I would have liked to see the Plo Koon Grievous fight and yeah. seeing Panaka killed would have been an interesting gravity to the situation. Um, additionally, Anakin's original plan for entering the Malevolence was a foolish hyperspace micro-jump to deploy the Twilight centimeters from the ship's hull. Wow. So it would have been, you know, jump really close and they can't detect kind of uh, thing. Very much, almost like what uh, Han and Finn do to uh, break into Starkiller base in mm -hmm. Force Awakens. Um, another plan was Padme and C-3PO were also originally rushing to the battle site to aid the evacuation of, uh, the medical center. Um, you know, I, I, at this point in the story, I'm glad that was cut because it wouldn't make sense. The, the threat to the medical center was kind of dealt with. Yeah. Like, they weren't still being attacked. Right. At this point, Grievous was more worried about escaping, so I don't think it would have made much... I mean, unless she had been... I, you know, again, in the previous episode, they mentioned, hey, the N the Naboo are sending ships to aid in the evacuation. Mm -hmm. I guess she could have been there for that part, but it still wouldn't have made sense. Having her come under the guise of, hey, I'm a senator, I'm going to negotiate something useful for this war, fit much better than, hey, I'm a senator, and I'm going to spend my time rescuing evacuees. Like, it does sound like something Padme would do. Oh, absolutely. But at the same time, it would have been... A little silly with it's you know there's people that can handle that you know uh, anyway so that's that's one I'm glad didn't make it in um this uh, when Grievous meets Obi Wan um you may have caught that Grievous says hello there yeah um I like the little obviously it's the reference to it but I like the the swap. Uh, you almost begin to wonder when Obi-Wan said hello there, was he being funny? <laughs> um, and we do see that Obi-Wan definitely does have a sense of humor. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, his dialogue in this is very sassy, as, as per usual with Clone Wars Obi-Wan. Um, you know, they laid on thick um, at times with Obi-Wan there. Um, and my last note is probably the most important note, and it is that spinning is still a good trick. It's always a good trick. Um, that's the only thing that Anakin learns. Yeah, I love, uh, I love, there's a little bit of dialogue where Obi-Wan and Anakin are talking about that, and I, I think it's really fun. Um, and, you know, and that's that quippy, fun, uh, dialogue between them that really builds out their relationships, build them out to be the brothers that Obi-Wan calls them. Oh, yeah. In, um, uh, Revenge of the Sith. And, you know, this... It, it's interesting to go from Attack of the Clones where Anakin says, you know, you're like a father to me, on to, you know, being friends and brothers in Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. You can infer that this war has made them more equal. Yeah. But the Clone Wars shows you that. The Clone Wars shows you that Obi-Wan is doing his thing, Anakin is doing his thing. They, they, they grow to be more as colleagues than a mentor-mentee. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Anakin begins to grow into his own person and whatnot, um, which also only lends it, it also lends itself to why he would feel I've proven I can be a master. I should be a master. Yeah. You know, in his eyes, all that he's done and gone through, um, you know, of course, uh, you know, Palpatine's grooming is there, but, you know, I think deep down Anakin thought it and wanted it with, you know, I don't think Palpatine injected that in him. I think he wanted that and Palpatine knew that and used that. Mm -hmm. I think he knew the problem it would cause when he said, Hey, go tell the council. I want you to be a master. Yeah. Uh, and he wanted that problem. He wanted them to say, no, you're not going to be a master. Yeah. Well, you get like, I think Anakin is like the perfect cocktail of bad guy. Most of the time. Because, like, you've got fear of rejection, which Mm -hmm. comes from his childhood. You've got fear of losing loved ones, fear of abandonment, which I think comes from leaving his mother at such a young age. And you've got, you add on a heap and help on a PTSD from living through a war. Right. And, you know, not not to mention, you know, being a slave as a child. Yeah. Like, he... He had the perfect cocktail of, like, villain. Right. And, and you know, the flaw is that the Jedi's response was to let go. Just mm-hmm. let it. Which, yeah, I mean, is good advice. In, in yeah. a regard, yes, he does need to learn to let go. Yeah. But, in, you know, I mean, you can't get so spiritual with it that you ignore the counseling that should be necessary. Yeah. You can't just be like, Hey, just trust the force and it'll take it away from you. No, you know, he needs guidance. He, you, you know, like the whole thing of in attack of the clones when he's like, I don't sleep well, you know, I dream about my mother and Obi-Wan's just like dreams pass in time. Like, yeah, that didn't help. Do you know, I mean, obviously Obi-Wan wasn't there. He didn't meet the mother. He didn't, yeah. you know, he didn't meet Shmi. He doesn't. He didn't see what Anakin came from. Qui Gon did. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the idea that Obi Wan's just like, it'll be okay. Yeah. You know, you're telling someone who. I mean, the Jedi knew about his like freaking huts and gangster rules and gambling aside. Qui Gon should have been like, "Hey, I rescued Anakin, but I had to leave his mom. Can you send somebody to go get her?" Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure if a few Jedi showed up and and said, hey, you've got to let her go, they would have done it. Yeah. But instead, it's like, hey. But, I mean, obvi- you know, the thing is, that doesn't mean you have to take her to Coruscant where she can hang out with Anakin all the time. Obviously, they wouldn't allow that. Mm-hmm. They don't want them to have attachments. Uh, Jet- Jedi, and you know, they wouldn't want Anakin to have attachments. But him just knowing, hey, my mom is safe, you know. Padme could have gotten her some villa on Naboo or something and been like, you know, hey, I'll, you know, keep you guys in touch and updated on each other. Like, like, there had to have been something done. Uh, But instead, the Jedi are like, just let it go. Yeah. You know, Anakin's mom didn't help. There's a scene, there's a moment in The Phantom Menace where my heart always just rings tight and and it's really emotional when Anakin's leaving his mother you know and obviously he has that moment where he looks back and runs to her and you know he's like will I ever see you again she's like you know what does your heart tell you he's like yeah I think so she's Mm -hmm. like okay good you know and she's like okay now go Mm -hmm. 
and she said, and, and it's the end of it where, it, and the music, you know, John Williams just stabs my heart with it, but <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, don't come back. Yeah. That it's, oh my gosh. That always, you know, so between his own mom telling him, Hey, don't worry about me. Mm-hmm. Go be a Jedi, save people. Yeah. Um, you know, because his thing is, like, when he says, when you know, when she's like, yeah, we'll see each other again, then uh, he's like, I will come back in for you. And she's like, don't, don't think of me, you know, it so much. It, but again, that's why he needs counseling. That's why yeah. he needs more than just let go. Dreams pass in time. It'll be okay. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if it, if I made this up or if I read it somewhere, but it's like. Anakin already had the bullets. Palpatine gave him the gun. Like, he already had the things that he needed. He just needed a way and an excuse to release those things. No, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, he needed you know, somebody to tell him, you know, it, you should. And, and that's that's true of all trauma. It, it gives us the ability mm-hmm. to weaponize our trauma and hurt others yeah. if it's not properly dealt with. And Anakin is an example of that. Not only trauma he's built up, you know, from those experiences, but things that are given to him, like you mentioned, through this war, you know, the loss of Ahsoka and how that challenged his view of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, you know, just so many things, you know, I, I, I mix into this cocktail of justification. I'm not, you know, and that's where you get into these very interesting moral conversations of, you know, you can say he's justified. That's not condoning what he's doing, but it's to say, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, and I do. And I, I, I so um, I don't even remember how exactly we got onto this trail of thought. Um, I don't remember either. Spinning is a good trick. That's what, how we started. Oh, goodness. How did that start <laughs> all of this? Um, oh, no, uh, because I started talking about the Anakin and Obi-Wan stuff and yeah. everything. Uh so, but to go so to go back to that and try and reassemble this into the proper episode it's meant to be. Um, yes, I think I, obviously I'm making a lot about a little bit of dialogue, but I'm I, you know being someone who's seen all of these episodes several times, I'm thinking of how this is just a glimpse of what we see more of later, and we continue to see their brotherly relationship grow, yeah, and whatnot, and so. Um, definitely uh this is a fun and good episode it's not to say you know when i say that the second episode is my favorite it's not to say that this is lesser than or the first one's lesser than it's just that uh the second episode has a lot more of what i like in yeah. a clone wars episode um but definitely all three are great the arc itself is very great to watch yeah all together um you know it's it's very good and grievous isn't too much of a i'll get you next time villain in this um and so, you know, I think overall, it, it, it's a well-built and well-told story and episodes and, and whatnot. Very good episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Any other ideas, comments, m- notes? Um, hello there. All right. Okay. Good, good note. <laughs> yeah. Well heard. That's uh, our episode. That's our Clone Wars rewatch for this week. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed it and uh, you enjoyed the episodes along with us, hopefully. Um, 
as always, we like to encourage you to watch the episodes for yourself before listening in to what we have to say. But uh, however you do your Clone Wars rewatch and however you tune in, uh, we do, you, we do uh, always encourage you to let us know what you think. What were your favorite parts of this episode? Did you like this arc of episodes? Uh, you know, uh, let us know on uh, the social medias. You can interact with us on Twitter and Facebook if you want um, more active communication. Of course, Twitter is the way to go. Do keep in mind, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, that we uh, will be a little busy over the next couple of days with things here, uh, with you know our real-life work. Um, but that we will, uh, attempt to stay connected. Megan will be able to stay more connected than I will over the next, uh, day or so. Uh, but definitely don't let that stop you from hitting us up on Facebook or Twitter and letting us know what you think of these episodes. Um, and of course, uh, Patreon is out there. Um, you can follow us there for some extra nerd herder goodies. Uh, you can also, uh, consider supporting us for a dollar a month. Um, we will have exclusive, uh, benefits, uh, for, uh, our, our dollar a month patrons and whatnot. So, uh, if you enjoy the show and want to see more of the show and see the show grow, uh, then, uh, consider a dollar a month. It, it, it does go a long way, a lot further than you would think. Uh, you know, we can make a lot with a little, so, and we're also trying to send our cats to college. So, patron uh is it would be a help to do that yeah she wants to go to harvard don't you baby yeah she wants to go to one of those expensive colleges yeah one of them book learning places um but uh other than that that has been our episode um we will be back next week i'm trying to pull up um what episodes we'll be uh watching next week so you can know and go ahead and check those out. Let's see here. All right, so next week we will be watching season one, episode five, six, and seven. Um, if you don't know, that's uh, episode rookies, which will see a return of Domino Squad um, from Clone Cadets, uh, which I know uh, Megan's excited about, clearly. There might um, not be anything bad happening, or else I'm going to riot. And we will also have the minor arc of episodes uh, 6 and 7 of R2 Captured, um, <gasps> no. which is a, a fun little arc of episodes, a very interesting set of episodes. So if you want to do your homework heard, then you can go watch Season 1, Episode 6, 7, no, 4, 5... What five six seven five six seven? Yes, <laughs> I'm tired. You are tired. Uh, so but yeah, you can go check out those episodes if you want to double check me. Yeah, uh, you can find our uh, chronological order list on Twitter. Yes. If you go to our images, I, I put that up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try and retweet that every week as well, um, so that it's more fresh uh, when this episode comes out. Yes, and I want that uh, essay about who your favorite droid is on my desk by Monday. <laughs> sure. Um, but I think that'll do you. Um, hopefully that'll you have be- a good rest of your Thursday. Uh, stay scruffy. and yeah, If you're in the coastal area, stay, stay safe. Yes, do do be careful if you're around our neck of the woods with, uh, with all this crazy weather. 
Um, and uh, so, yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, I've been your herd, your tired, 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 tired herd leader, John Wayne. And I've been your Red Bull drinking, Megan. <laughs> and until next time, Bye. may the force be with you. Bye.